Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Friday the 24th of January. Coming up, baby's death at hospital, wholly avoidable. Accidents happen every day, but failing to learn from them appears to have become a part of the culture of this NHS trust. Brexit travel confusion with one week to go. There has been so much conversation around Brexit and a deal or no deal scenario that it's been really confusing out there for people wanting to book travel. And should cars be banned from town centres? There are a number of towns in Kent, places like Maidstone, Ashford and of course the city of Canterbury which have acute air pollution issues. Kent Online News. A coroner says a baby boy who died at the QEQM in Margate was failed by the hospital and his death was wholly avoidable. Nicholas got the details. An inquest has been looking into what happened to Harry Richford, who died at seven days old following a traumatic birth at the hospital in 2017. The coroner also says neglect contributed to his death and he would have survived if he'd been resuscitated within 10 minutes instead of 28. It comes after a damning report raised concerns about maternity services run by East Kent Hospital's NHS Trust. They've apologised to families affected and say they're making improvements. Well, Harry's dad Tom made a statement following the conclusion of the inquest. Today the coroner has reached a conclusion that our son Harry died because of a number of serious and preventable failures in the medical care and treatment that he and my wife Sarah received and which amounted to neglect whilst in the care of East Kent Hospitals Trust. This is also a case where the coroner has found that Article 2 of the European Convention of Human Rights, the right to life, was engaged as a result of systemic and structural failings at the Trust. Sarah had a textbook pregnancy and Harry was born on his due date with no abnormalities. But due to failures in both the delivery and resuscitation of Harry, he died seven days later. Since then, the Trust has tried to avoid outside scrutiny and failed to learn from this and previous similar cases. They refused to call the coroner, despite being asked numerous times. They filled out the statutory child death notification form to say that Harry's death was expected and completed the Embrace UK form incorrectly to say that there were no delivery complications. This system is specifically designed to aid national learning of infant deaths. Accidents happen every day, but failing to learn from them appears to have become a part of the culture of this NHS trust. When Harry was born on November the 2nd, East Kent hospitals already knew there was an extreme risk to pregnant women and neonatals in their care and this was written in their own board reports. This risk was present from at least as far back as 2014 when the number of serious incidents in maternity were highlighted to them. As a result, in 2015, East Ken were told to arrange a full audit of their maternity services. This was carried out in November 2015 by the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists. It was damning in many areas, particularly of the QEQM site. The Trust knew this risk at board of director level and it has been accepted during this inquest that the Trust failed to mitigate the risk, despite that risk being a real risk to life. As a result, the same issues that RCOG reported in their 2015 report were repeated and have been noted today to have caused Harry's death. We We have read about Morecambe Bay in Shrewsbury and Telford and find that similarities to Harry's case are frightening. We are calling for the Secretary of State to arrange an independent investigation or inquiry into Harry's death and maternity services at East Kent. We would like to thank our legal team from Brick Court Chambers and Arnold and Porter LLP 
who have all worked tirelessly and on a pro bono basis for us. We'd also want to thank Avma, who have given us help and advice from the start. Our litigation case is now being handled by Fairweather Solicitor and Wisdom. Kent Online reports. Elsewhere today, a judge has ruled a man wanted in connection with the deaths of 39 people found in a refrigerated trailer near the Dartford Crossing can be extradited from Ireland to the UK. The Vietnamese victims, including 10 teenagers, were discovered in a lorry at an industrial estate in Essex in October. 23-year-old Eamon Harrison from Northern Ireland is accused of 41 offences in the UK. An elderly woman died in hospital after being hit by a car in Medway. The 73-year-old was pushing her bike along the A228 Sundridge Hill near Strood when it happened two weeks ago. A 43-year-old woman was arrested and released on bail. Police are again appealing for witnesses or anyone with dashcam footage. A man's been taken to a London hospital with serious injuries following a crash near Whitstable. The coastbound carriageway of the A299 Thanet Way was closed for more than five hours after a car overturned near the Chestfield Tunnel this morning. Now, with a week to go until Brexit, there's apparently still confusion over travel arrangements from Dover when we leave the EU. According to research, almost a third of people here in the southeast think they'll need a visa to enter any EU country after next Friday, while almost a fifth have delayed making holiday plans. Figures have also revealed a drop in the number of ferry passengers on cross-channel routes from Dover over the past year. Earlier, I spoke to Emma Batchelor from Discover Ferries, who did the study. We are, for the rest of this year, um, in the transition period, now that the UK government has passed the EU withdrawal agreement. And what that means is that there is absolutely no changes to any travel requirements to the EU or anywhere else for this year. Um, So that's great news for people like us who live in Kent. So why do you think there's this confusion and people aren't aware that the travel arrangements are actually not going to change this year? I think that there has been so much conversation around Brexit and a deal or no deal scenario that it's been really confusing out there for people wanting to book travel and actually our research shows that up to a fifth of people have consciously delayed their 2020 holiday decisions as a result but the great news is and I want to be really clear about this there is absolutely no change to travel requirements for anyone wanting to travel by a ferry over to the UK for the rest of this year so people should book their holidays and ferry travel with absolute confidence. And I suppose because the last couple of times that we've been due to leave the EU and it hasn't happened there's been warnings haven't there about potential changes to documents and perhaps because people haven't heard anything this time they're thinking oh maybe there's going to be an issue. Yeah absolutely I can totally understand why there is confusion and actually a survey that we ran recently showed that 46% of respondents wanted more reassurance and information on what travel requirements they will need. So uh, this is one of the main reasons that we are today saying there's absolutely no change to travel requirements and any documentation from valid passports to pet passport travel to e-hicks to green cards to driving permits. There are no changes whatsoever for any document requirements to go over to the EU. And this drop in the number of ferry passengers, is that for the whole of next week or is it sort of after that 31st date? So there has been a slight dip, um, which kind of reflects the sentiment that we've seen in the research that we conducted with people not being sure about what to do after Brexit. Um, So we expect that now that people can book with no changes to current requirements, that uh, ferry travel will again um, continue to go forward and people can book their travel with confidence and enjoy the journey.
So what would be your advice to people who might be sitting here thinking, oh, I might not book my holiday yet because I'm not really sure what's going on? My advice would be to absolutely book with confidence. Book your holiday. Look, I know everyone looks forward to it. I certainly do. Book your ferry travel knowing that there will be no changes to requirements this year. And maybe if you fancy a trip over for skiing, you can take your car, the kids, put all the equipment in and head over as soon as you like. Go and enjoy it. Book with confidence. Nothing will change. And what about looking further ahead then, further down the line? I know this is up until the 31st of December, isn't it, that there's going to be no changes at all. Um, Do you know what's happening after that? So during this year, the transition period, all of the main details are still being ironed out. But one thing is for sure that regardless of the Brexit outcome, Ferry operators will still continue to operate ferry services over to Europe and also to the rest of the British Isles and people can still travel and book with confidence and have a great time. And I imagine for people like you in the ferry industry, it must be quite a relief to know that things are going to go ahead and then be running smoothly next week and, um, you know, yeah, absolutely. few months. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's been a lot of um, discussion about potential issues and um, requirements of additional requirements for documentation etc to go over to the EU but now we can say with absolute 100% clarity that that's not going to happen so there are no changes and people can just go ahead as they have been for the last few years and have a great time. Well, EU bosses signed Boris Johnson's Brexit deal in Brussels earlier. Their rubber stamping of the document allows the UK to leave with an agreement next week, almost four years after the referendum. Meantime, a huge banner saying we still love EU has been displayed on the White Cliffs of Dover. A crowdfunding campaign's raised more than £14,000 to make it happen. Phil's been speaking to South East MEP Anthony Hook, who's the man behind it. I'm really pleased. It, it's making a really good impact it looks really clear it stands out I'm, I'm really pleased and just in terms of you know why this was unveiled in the first place tell us about the thought process of a week and a half ago to getting where we are now we just want to send a really clear message that people in Britain feel the strongest affection and wish for friendship with people in Europe even with Brexit happening which is against the wishes of half the country and really painful for many of us who don't want to lose our European citizenship but it's happening we want to send a message we want that that friendship in the year ahead the big political battle is going to be to fight for the EU and Britain to have the closest possible partnership so it sends that message out and also it's a message to three million Europeans who live in our country and for whom right now is a fearful anxious time they're very worried about their future and we want to send a message to them that we love them and they're part of our community they're in many cases our teachers nurses doctors our neighbors sometimes our relatives and we're going to stand with them and just in terms of how this has been received, obviously the majority of people, you know, enjoying the message here, but a few people kind of thinking they might be antagonistic, kind of saying we're so close to the 31st and you're unf- unfurling this, it's maybe counterproductive. What would you say to those people? Whether you voted leave or remain, we should want to promote friendship and affection across the channel. And that's the message we're sending out today. And I've been overwhelmed by the positive response to this. We've had in just a week, 850 people have made donations to raise over £14,000 to make this project happen. And it's the banner we've got a high quality drone to get aerial footage we'll be able to promote it on social media so it's seen all over the world we've been able to tell people in advance about it to get mainstream media interest and we're looking at options to take the banner on tour around different sites in the country it's been really exciting Okay, that's, that's quite interesting actually, no, in terms of taking it on, on tour then. So the plan is maybe just this is the first point and it's to go around the country. We mean, just tell us a bit about that tour then. Well, that, 
that's just an idea at the moment. Organising today has been a lot of work. Uh, so our focus right now has been on today and spreading the message over the next week as wide as we can. And once next week is out of the way, then we're going to look at the logistics of whether we can take it to other sites. Of course, you said that you had overwhelming positivity regarding the banner, but just speaking to Alex there, you do have some security here. So is the feeling that, you know, it's it's... It, there is controversy behind it. Yeah, I did receive death threats in relation to today, which was really shocking to me. And I don't worry about them. I don't take them very seriously. Um, and I'm, I'm just really sad that some people obviously feel a lot of anger and hatred if you look at the comments for this project and for Europeans, including Europeans living in this country. And that's exactly why we needed to do this, to make clear to people that hatred and anger is not mainstream, that most people in Britain want friendship, affection and partnership. Kent Online reports. New x-ray scanners are going to be installed at a Kent prison in a bid to crack down on crime behind bars. £28 million is being spent on the technology at 16 of the most challenging jails in the country, including HMP Elmley on the Isle of Sheppey. The body scanners will show instantly if someone's hiding things like drugs, phones and weapons. Work started on a new multi-million pound seafront development in Folkestone. There are plans for 1,000 homes, along with cafes, restaurants and public spaces on a section of the coast. The first phase involves creating 84 properties. We've got new images of what it could all look like once completed in the story on our website. Cars could soon be banned from Kent's town centres in a bid to tackle climate change. There's already a proposal to do it in Brighton to improve air quality. Brighton, Medway and Kent County Council are all part of Transport for the South East, which wants to bring carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. Councillor Rob Bird is the leader of the Lib Dem group at KCC and says action needs to be taken quickly. Well, there are a number of towns in Kent, uh, places like Maidstone, Ashford, and of course the city of Canterbury which have acute uh, air pollution issues uh, and the local councils are struggling with uh, finding solutions. Uh, A complete ban of vehicles may be difficult but I'm sure it is something uh, that they will be looking at. So though the document talks about the uh, potential impact of tolling I think it needed to go a little bit further and look at finding radical new solutions for getting people in and out of towns and getting uh, freight um, movements uh, away from our town centres. We need to be really quite radical and uh, progressive and look at every possible solution to this. Uh, how easy do you think it would be to model a policy like that of Brighton? And um, are, would, there, would there be other particular places that you could look to perhaps for, uh, for I guess, uh, inspiration, not just in England, but maybe outside of that? Uh, it, it's certainly not easy, but I think we can take our inspiration, uh, particularly from parts of uh, uh, Northern Europe, uh, I, you know, everybody uh, refers to the Dutch model, but uh, recently I uh, visited the city of Ghent, which is almost car-free. Uh, all you see is bicycles and buses and trams and a lot of very comfortable pedestrians. And I think the impact on the town centre of Ghent is superb. Uh, I wouldn't say that that is necessarily the right solution for uh, all of our cities, but it shows that where there's a will, 
you can come up with a better solution to what than uh, we have at the, at the moment. Uh, and just finally, how confident are you that this is actually going to be implemented? Because we are still very at its infancy stage. The Department of Transport has put in a million pounds last year, is looking to boot, provide it with a £500,000 boost. But we're still a long, long way from where we want to be. But are you confident that this is something that will actually happen? Unfortunately, the wheels of government turn very, very slowly. But uh, what is uh, increasingly obvious is that uh, the people, not just the people of Maidstone or the people of Kent, but the people of Britain and all around the world are increasingly concerned about the impact of air pollution and climate change, and they will demand radical and effective solutions sooner rather than later. You can let us know what you think of the idea by voting in our poll online. So far, three quarters of people have said it would be impractical. Kent Online reports. A 41-year-old man's been arrested after police uncovered a cannabis farm in Medway. They were called to reports of a break-in at a house on Kestrel Road in Lordswood yesterday morning and discovered the plants. One officer lost an earring during the search. You can see a picture tweeted by her colleague at Kent Online. A suspected cocaine dealer has been arrested after trying to avoid a police sniffer dog in Maidstone. PD Max was helping officers on patrol in the High Street on Wednesday and a 19-year-old man was detained in Pudding Lane. Five bags of drugs were found in his underwear. He's since been released under investigation. Now, as stats this week revealed a huge rise in knife crime in Kent over the past decade, we've been finding out what's being done in one part of the county to try and tackle it. Latest crime data shows there were 851 offences in the county in the 12 months to September, up almost 150% on the start of the decade. Unique kickboxing in Chatham has been training young people in martial arts for 15 years and supports the Gloves Up, Knives Down project, which steers young people away from a gang culture. Ish Ian Mike is one of the trainers there. We go online and via YouTube channel, Facebook and also Instagram and talk about knife crime specifically with regards to how, you know, um, how it affects people's lives and also how, you know, to avoid it mm-hmm. and also how to deal with, you know, um, how to deal with you know um, your mind uh, as a young person who's not because young people are very um, susceptible to influence and peer pressure and even bullying for that matter so you know um, someone might have been bullied and they think right someone's been horrible to me and they're stronger than me and they've kicked me about and tomorrow I'm gonna get a knife and go to school so if you know so we try to speak um, positively about how not to get yourself in a situation like that. And, you know, um, that's how we try to support um, good behaviour and avoid conflicts. Some people would see um, kids that are taught a certain type of violence to be kind of counterproductive against something like knife crime, which is tied up in violence. How can, why is this violence good and this violence? That's a fantastic question. I love questions like this. Now, check this out. Yeah, I will answer your question, but I've been approached by people in the past to say, why do you teach martial arts and you're a fighter and yet you preach peace and, you know, friendliness and being nice? 
and someone says to me, I don't believe in violence. Well, I say, good for you if you don't believe in violence because you live in, you live in peace and you can you know, um, live a violent free life because you're protected by people who believe in violence. You've got soldiers, you've got police, and you've got all the good people. Now, whether or not you believe in violence is irrelevant. Violence doesn't care about you, and it will come to you yeah, when it wants to. So, you know, um, I'd say I'd rather, be, I'd rather be a general in a garden than be a gardener in a war. That's my answer to your question. Kent Online News. Weatherspoon are looking to spend £2.5 million building a 20-room hotel above one of their Kent pubs. Bosses want to expand the Saxon shore in Hearn Bay. They say it will create 40 jobs and could encourage more businesses to invest in the town. You can see an artist's impression of what it might look like at kentonline.co.uk. The Saturday singer Frankie Bridge is going to be making an appearance at Blue Water next month. She'll be at Waterstone signing copies of her new book about mental health. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham have signed a new striker ahead of this weekend's game. John Akinde will be joining them from Lincoln City after weeks of negotiations with the chairman and chief exec. The 30-year-old centre-forward is expected to start on the subs bench in tomorrow's match against Rochdale. The Jills will be hoping to maintain their eight-game unbeaten run in League One when they travel north. They're currently 14th in the table, with their opponents four places below them. Captain Max Emer says to get into the playoffs, they need to stop drawing as many matches. Obviously, if we turned some of those draws into wins, we'd be a lot higher up in the league, obviously. But like everyone says around the place, I think we're still in touching distance. With a good result, I could hopefully be within two or three and then before you know it, we're right back in the hunt again. But we're, we're all confident and it's all good spirits around the place and I think we all know our sort of goals that we've set out to achieve and I think everyone in that squad down there will tell you how hard we've been working and there's no sort of let up from the gaffer. He's on us every day um, to make sure we're doing things right, whether that be the warm-up or passing drills or shape, whatever it may be. Um, and yeah, I think we've got enough experience sort of heads in the in the dressing room to make sure that boys aren't messing around. And no one does, to be fair. I think it's a well-run dressing room with obviously the staff above and so on. Um, but no, we're just fully focused on sort of each game as it comes. Looking at the away form, it's, I think it's still just that one win on the road. Why do you think it's been so tough for you guys? There's obviously no easy games in League One, but... It's a combination of things really. I think early on in the season we was probably too we was letting in too many goals away from home and then and then we started keeping some clean sheets and we haven't been scoring enough. But that, that scoring enough doesn't come from just the strikers. I think that's everyone. I think I'm up there every time for a set piece. So it's down to everyone who's in the box sort of thing. And it's just turning them half chances into goals really. I think that's probably as a team where we probably haven't done done enough. Um, but we've got to make sure we're solid defensively because that's worst ways you don't concede, you don't lose. So that's what we're aiming for, yeah. And then looking at Rochdale, of course, you beat them last month, that <coughs> late winner, Conor Ogilvy, that dramatic late winner. I mean, how tough of an opposition are they? Yeah, they, they are a really tough physical side, obviously, good passing side as well. And obviously, with Henderson up front or Calvin Andrew, Wilbraham, whoever it may be, I think they've got experienced heads in that dressing room as well. Um, and we've got good, good ball players all around the park. So, yeah, it'll be a tough game, but 
I think we're confident that if we go there with the game plan that we've set out and we've sort of worked on in training that we'd come away with three points. And you said obviously you've got that mindset of going in for a win and you've got Shrewsbury coming up as well and two teams are all around you that these are the games you need to be picking up the wins, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think um, six points from these next two would be massive for us. Um, and I'd, nah, I'd be surprised if we weren't within one or two of the actual playoffs in about seventh or eight. But no game's easier, I can tell you that for sure. Um, so we're just going out with a correct mindset and preparing well and make sure we execute on the day. That's it for today, but for more news at any time, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.